Alright, I'm Jordan Eller Coltman, this is Tyler Walzak, and welcome to the Pit Stop Podcast. Uh, a day late, albeit, because it is the end of uh, Katie Thanksgiving. For those out there who are listening to us from the farthest reaches of the globe, uh, who are unfamiliar with the uh, calendar here in Canada, uh, we do celebrate a Thanksgiving about a month earlier than our American friends. And as a result, we had a nice long weekend this weekend, but it was great because Tyler, this was one of those weekends where because of the new sprint format, there was a lot of Formula One. There was a lot of uh, action. There was a lot of conversation. There was a lot of drama. There was a whole bunch of different storylines. We're going to get to all of that. Uh, Before we get going, though, I got to make sure, like, are you well hydrated for this? Because we all know how dangerous dehydration can be. No kidding. And the the first thing I think we're going to talk about here with qualifying is a very unthankful Canadian on the uh, on the grid that we have. Couldn't get out of Q1 again. I was going to say Q1 uh, qualifying on Friday was very boring until the end when you saw Lance Stroll get out of his car, uh, his F1 car, and then we were to say get out of his car. Um, you see him get out <laughs> and shove his personal trainer um, as they're going to the back. And like that's obviously frustration. That's obviously but maybe there a little bit of heat had to do with it. But I mean, it's not a good look for him right now. No. And not only, not only that, but like no other driver is getting away with that. Like no other, like the team would be disciplining them that the FIA really should be disciplining them. There's absolutely no place for that. We've seen frustration before. We've seen drivers get angry. We've obviously seen it like all different levels of motorsport, like drivers, driver on driver fights and things like that. Like mm-hmm. we get it. It's frustrating. It's difficult. He's clearly had a very difficult second half to the season. He's had a difficult season to begin with. He hasn't scored he's any just, points. Since he's not a good driver. He's not ca- competing with his teammate. He's just, he's struggling. If you watch the clip right from the beginning, like the minute he gets in the garage, he's pulling the steering wheel off, basically chucking it. That thing's like yeah. $20,000 yeah. of his dad's money. And he gets out of the car and the whole confrontation, I mean, regardless of where his frustration level was already before leaving the cockpit, the only thing that that guy, that the, the, and I, I guess you said it was his personal trainer. I don't know exactly what that, the role that individual had in the team, but, um, but his, he, all he's trying to do is remind Lance, he has to leave through the front of the garage because he has to weigh in. Cause that's the end yeah. of his session. And he's just trying to prevent him from getting fined or getting in trouble. And he's just doing his job. This is one of, you know, a dozen, two dozen, three dozen guys who work there every week just to make sure that the team gets both cars out there on the road, that these drivers who are super pampered and super well taken care of are given an opportunity to go and compete. All of these other guys who are working, you know, like, grunt work in many situations lugging tires around pushing these cars in and out of different positions like onto onto the jacks and off the jacks like what like there's no place for that you can't do that you cannot be physically assaulting one of your teammates because you're fucking frustrated yeah and it it's one of those things where it's kind of like one of those unknown jobs which is any job that's not a driver is theoretically you are you're the one in charge for five hours of the weekend yeah. Other than that, it's everybody else trying to set you up for your best chance of success. Yeah. And this trainer, his name was Henry Howe, was just trying to get Lance Stroll to the way station after yeah. his race. Um, and yeah, Stroll shoved him. And it was one of those things where it was like I was watching. And I go, oh, Lance, again, can't get out of Q1. And then just fireworks. And then his interview after, too, was just so man, like I uh, again, how do you? How much for like how much longer do you even want to be in F one 
if you're Lawrence Stroll. And this well, is and that's that was there was news about that earlier in the week. Like, I mean, Lawrence is one of the first drivers, and we we haven't touched on this, but and maybe we were we were planning to. But here, I'm going to pull it right up to the front of our conversation. Like, we found out earlier in the week that Mike Michael Andretti's uh, bid had been approved by the FIA to move to sort of the next phase, and that's now going to turn to Formula One specifically. The and 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 the kind of governors of that sport specifically, the the teams that are already there, to be able to like decide whether they want to allow an eleventh team on the grid. And that would be Andretti in this bid he has with Cadillac. And Lawrence is one of the first owners to come out and be like, no, it, it would be bad for the sport. Well, it doesn't help him obviously because one additional team competing against him, and when he's not doing well certainly hurts him but then there's also news reports only a day later that maybe he's not that fully invested in staying in formula one to begin with and that he's looking mm-hmm. for a potential buyer and so you start to wonder like if if this kind of behavior continues from his son which is clearly a huge motivation as to why at least he got into the sport regardless of what whether it's still what's keeping him in the sport i'm speaking about L- lawrence now like regardless of that's what's keeping him or not it certainly isn't helping its case like if lance leaves and lance isn't competing and are able to do this why would his dad stick around he's got a dozen other businesses that are probably making him lots of much more easy money this is probably an incredibly frustrating business to be in well it's and it's like every sport out there once your fan base turns on you they're going to demand for you to sell the team and you're going to get to that point with lance stroll like alonzo is going to buy you time because of what he brings and and obviously like probably a hall of fame driver that's that will last until Alonzo leaves, and then nobody is going to give a shit about Aston Martin because you yeah. only have one driver. They've everyone's pretty much given up on Lance Stroll. You can't be a Lance Stroll fan now. I've never met a Lance Stroll fan, and if I if one was if somebody was a fan, they're not talking about it. They're not going to bring it up to you if you watch F one. It's just it it's it'll going to change faster than I think. It has been in the past. Like I think that Lawrence Stroll is looking for a way out, and and it's bullshit too because eleventh team is good for the sport. It's just not good for the share of the sharing of the money and the prizes that go with it. Totally. Just a smaller piece of the pie for everybody, but it's All good right. for the sport to have more cars. Let's get back to qualifying. So as you said, obviously it was kind of slow and kind of I don't know a pedestrian to get started there. Yeah, but we were learning a few things, and obviously you know, when you're racing in the desert, there's some factors that come into play. Uh, we all knew it was going to get hot. We knew it was going to be difficult. And a lot of drivers were having a hard time keeping it on the track. Uh, there yeah. was a lot of track times coming off lap times being deleted, which we knew would continue to be a storyline. It's been a storyline all season, but this is definitely one of those tracks where drivers were struggling with it. Um, and of course it was all setting us up in such a way that we were in a position and eventually we'll get to how it turned out, but Max Verstappen needed to basically do what he's been doing all year and just stay to the front. And he was going to set himself up to be world champion again. And that was kind of, it felt very clear pretty early that that was what was where we were destined to go, but you know, some good pace out of some other teams um, that at least we're going to make it a little less straightforward um, than perhaps we expected. McLaren has really come on strong here and right through qualifying, it was clear that they had some great pace, but they couldn't keep it on the road. And they, and both, both McLarens ended up um, not finishing where they technically finished because their lap times were deleted post session. Yeah. Did you watch the post rate, the post qualifying interview where Piastri actually found out that he had been, that his lap time had been deleted like live on TV. It was super awkward. Uh, I don't remember they the have name to, of. The they have to be reporter, better at that. 
I know like they, it took forever. They it really know. was weird. It was really weird because it was like, oh, Russell, you're going to, you know, start up here in third or f- fourth or whatever it was. And then all of a sudden he was moving up a position, even though he'd just been interviewed as like the third place guy or Lewis had just finished in there. And then they knew Norris's time was going to come off because they saw that one pretty clearly. Uh, I know Karun Chandok had, had identified it like live. He was like, I, I don't know how they didn't see what I just saw. But then they're in the you know they're in park Ferme and there's piastri who thinks he's just jumped up to second because norris had been bumped out and she literally had to be like oh sorry by the way your laptop has been deleted his face was just so distraught like what like no <laughs> this is the i'm doing the interview that means i'm i'm you know anyway well they should stop the interviews until that's like sorted yeah because it's the same with like uh horse racing Horse racing, there's always like a five minute period at the end where they're just, they have it. to go through and check and make sure there wasn't any faults, there wasn't any um, yeah. lane impediments or anything like that. So they just have to start doing that and it'll be because you do that. That is dumb. That is, I agree, stupid to see that happen a oh, thousand percent. So the other storyline, obviously, coming out of uh, qualifying was some discoveries around the tires. Uh, we're going to pull up our question of the day. Uh, here, our, our box, box, box question, because it is pertaining specifically to this. It's time for mail. Okay, so Tyler, uh, the question of the day comes from Sarah. Sarah asked, what the hell happened in Qatar with the tires? I don't understand. Yeah, so basically the way I understand it, there's two things. One, the heat in Qatar is obviously going to kind of melt the tires a little bit faster than normal. But more specifically, it was the time that these cars were driving on the um, the like the curbs. That's the curb, yeah. Believe, yeah, curb. So the yeah. amount of time they were spending on the curb was tearing up the tire faster than they anticipated. So during the sprint shootout and during the sprint race, they were monitoring it to see what what was going to happen. What what they first saw this on Friday. And after the practice sessions and after qualifying, they looked at the tires and they said, something's wrong. A lot of these are punctured. We can't, we can't continuously have this happen over the rest of the weekend. So what they did was they said, this is what could happen. And they told all the teams that we might have limits on these tires. We don't know yet. We're going to take the information we get from Saturday. We're going to make a decision on Sunday. But it was found that um, before the sprint shootout, they had an extra 10 minutes on the track because they got rid of the curbs on turn 12 13 and 14 i believe like the little yeah. bumps that are there they got rid of them flattened them out and just painted them so that the drivers had to be more attentive to where they were they couldn't rely on feeling the bump of the curb that they had to be a little more um specific on their turns so they also brought it in a little bit so that you had to take a different apex that would help you stay within the track um but it still wasn't helping um the the tires stay together so they put a 18 lap limit on all tires, soft, hard, medium, all of them. 18 was the max you can do on any of them. And during the sprint shoot of Saturday, they originally, they talked about 22 laps on news, 20 laps on any old tires that going into the race, but they went with a specific 18 lap max, which made going into the race. You knew it was going to be a three stopper. Yeah. And it definitely, obviously instantly changes the dynamics of how the race itself is going to go we'll talk about that in a second but it because the decision being made is now being forced on the teams right so usually yeah. going into a race you know teams are looking at different strategy models and looking at different potential outcomes they're running simulations they're identifying if you know 
do the first stint on the hard. How long can we push it? And then we can go to the soft once and it's a one-stop race for us. And it saves us this much time and yada, yada, yada. But the situation here, when you have these limits imposed, it changes the dynamic of that dramatically because it forces drivers now to be basically stuck in the same pit window as everybody else, regardless yeah. of the tire with the exception of safety cars, which we will talk about, but, um, but yeah, so basically Sarah to answer that question, I think as Tyler did very, very succinctly there um, once Pirelli, who is the manufacturer of all of the team's tires recognized that they had a structural, uh, basically a failure that was occurring across multiple teams it was sort of a systematic system like like a structural failure then they recognized they wanted to ensure that they didn't that these didn't pose any danger or any risk or any additional sort of hazard um the the specifics of like what was happening was basically the tire compound or whatever was sort of like shredding way too quickly um and we've talked a lot on the show about like tire dag and all this idea that like you know you you work these tires through different phases of 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 sort of structural integrity and some guys are able to nurse their tires through longer periods and what whatever but it was just so much um pressure on them that it wasn't working and and it, it's interesting because it, it it kind of overshadowed the other pirelli news i don't know if you know this or saw this tyler but they've also just been signed till 2027 as the yeah. singular uh tire supplier for formula one so not a great weekend pr wise for pirelli necessarily uh, because it, it obviously i think you know I, nobody likes to to have like an external uh, thing being like sort of over overlaid on top of what you just want the team to be able to compete or whatever, without having to have this other thing to worry about. But at the same time, you know, safety first. Well, this has happened before too. 2005, the U S grand prix. Um, there was two tires it was, you could be a Michelin tire car or you could be a, a Bridgestone tire car. Um, I believe those were the two. I might be wrong actually, but um it ended up with the tire wear was high and the Pirelli, no, the Michelin tires were, no, those are the ones struggling. So if you didn't have Bridgestone tires and you were on Michelin tires, those cars withdrew from the race because yeah. the degradation was too high. So there's only six cars in that U S grand prix in 2005. So this was all kind of where they, yeah, that race is pretty one. infamous. That's it. That yeah. was at Indianapolis and they had the banking and on the banking, the uh, Michelin yeah, exactly. tires were failing. So. And they talked about it a lot during the race too. About, yeah, exactly. They, they, they called that back a bunch, but they didn't want that to happen again. So this, they went to one tire for everybody, um, a universal tire for F1 and they can come up with the rules. And, and this was kind of the first time it's been this strict about a lapse per like mandatory. You have to be in the pit. Okay, and you can so, use those tires oh, again, sorry. though. That was the thing I was wondering is, can you use that set again? Because you only get three sets of medium. And everybody mm -hmm. kind of wanted to be on the medium, but some of them were already used before. So you had like different different situations. But you could go back to that set of tire after 18 um, laps once you take it off and had your mandatory pit. If you inspected it and there was no um, damage to the tire, then you could put it back on. Interesting. Everybody's had damage. So no one yeah. was able to do that. It was so cool. it turned out to be turned out to be the right call. Yeah. Uh, let's get to the sprint. So you and I have been think pretty vocal on the show so far. We're kind of critics of this modern, the new sprint format. You've got the sprint shootout earlier in the day. As you mentioned, that included an additional 
like 10 minute sort of practice session to get used yeah. to the lack of curves or the, the resurfacing of them. And the drivers were not happy about that. And then you get into the sprint shootout, which is basically just like a single qualifying or much more succinct qualifying, I should say. Um, and then we have our sprint. Like one of the messiest, just like, just the whole thing was just a bit of a, a gong show to begin with. For sure. And it wasn't just the tires. It was the wind on turn five, yeah. turn four and turn five. Ferrari couldn't deal with it at all. Um, it kept picking up the back of their car and spinning them out. I think Albon and Stroll also did it. Um, yeah. The same laps the Ferraris did. Um, so yeah, that, that, that uh, side wind that lifted the cars was a huge problem for everybody um, in that sprint shootout qualifying, which evidently pe- at the end of it, Piastri took it and took his first pole on a, on a race. In he did. And then we get into the sprint itself. And not to spoil anything for us, but walking out of the sprint, Max Verstappen is world champion for the third year. Uh, because officially. Perez crashed. Yeah. Because Perez crashed. He didn't finish. He, you're right. He didn't win the sprint, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but it didn't matter. A little bittersweet. Just mathematically, mathematically, uh, he, he was crowned uh, world champion. And it it kind of felt like, I don't know. It did feel kind of like the right way for it to happen where it's like not after a Grand Prix, not after a great performance. It just sort of is like, yep, that was what we all thought would happen. It's what we all expected to happen. Yeah. That's what we've expected all year. It's almost surprising it's taken him this long, to be honest with you. And now we can kind of move on. What I Lacks would love to have said to you is that, Great. And then Max went home and said, I'm good to go and decided to take the rest of the year off. And that would be the best thing for the sport. Uh, It would be fantastic if Red Bull had to put some, you know, child in there instead. Uh, But that's not the case um, because uh, they pay him a lot of money to get out there and show. It'd be awesome because Ricardo's coming back um, at the next race. So this was Liam Lawson's last weekend for a little bit. Um, It'd be awesome yeah. for Ver, for Verstappen to take the rest of the year off and they give the car to Liam Lawson. Yeah, or Ricardo goes right up to the Red Bull. No, nobody wants to see Ricardo in a Red Bull. I want to see Liam Lawson in a Red Bull. Ricardo can just race the rest of his career in Alpha Tori. You're gonna see Daniel Ricardo in a Red Bull before you see Dan or see Liam Lawson in a Red Bull. I'm gonna say that right now. I I believe you. I think that we'll probably see Ricardo in a Red Bull this year because I think maybe Verstappen does take a race off. Um, it would be fun to see Verstappen in, in the Alpha Tori and Ricardo and oh Red god, race. yeah, that's what they should do. <laughs> he should just start racing in the other car, just and then just, just winning to see. everything, just to see what oh, happens. See so where he finishes. funny, so funny. <laughs> it'd be so, it'd be so annoying. He would never get off the radio. Yeah, cars trash. I can't believe you know how to drive the car. So oh. I don't really take the sprint too seriously. I do, can't. Do you have anything else for up from it that you really want to talk about, or should we yeah, get go, to Yeah, go just Sunday? go back to the old way. Make it what make it mean something. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That's all. Um, let's get to the Grand Prix then. Obviously, as I said, because of the uh, lap deletions for the McLarens, it meant that we had a uh, Red Bull Mercedes Mercedes grid to start with, which was tantalizing and exciting to be at least begin with. Uh, and there was all of this hope and optimism that maybe they would have some fun up there with Max. Um, they, and then on like, the, third, the third turn, it, just the worst possible scenario for Mercedes, at least at the, in the moment where you have Lewis Hamilton turning into his teammate. Now you give, like you have to, I think there's a couple ways to look at this. And again, I say this as the Mercedes fan of on this show, like 
I want my drivers to be fighting at the beginning of a race to try to do everything they can to get past Max Verstappen. That is the yes. correct thing to do. However, the incorrect thing to do is to not pass Max Verstappen and in exchange for that, take both of those cars out of two and three. And in this case, literally one of them out of the race and one of them finds themselves at the back of the, of the, the pack. That is the, the complete opposite of what you want aggressive driving to result in. It was, um, it was a kind of a rookie mistake by maybe the greatest driver of all time. He went into like he had a a car and a half width and he turned it in a little too tight. Um, I don't know what he like. I don't know where his mind was. He was upset at Russell immediately, but then at the end of the race, after looking at it, admitted that it was his fault. But you had so much like I know you want to go into that first three turns and try to get past Verstappen, but it's so much room and not to not risk it that much that yeah. it was it wasn't a great look. Can I tell um, you what I saw? And, and and then you tell me if you think I'm insane. But here's what I saw. When you actually, when you watch it back, he gets a better jump. Uh, yes. Obviously, he's in. He was on softs. Position. The others were in mediums. That's right. He gets a good jump. And then right away, they're three abreast. And George actually does kind of give him a little push. He's trying to get a little bit of room. He gives him a little bit of a push before they even get to the corner. And Lewis reacts and kind of moves out of the way. And then as they get to that corner... Lewis breaks late, recognizes he has an opportunity to go around the outside. And then I think, again, as a result of how close they had been racing earlier, I think he just, he just misjudged the corner completely. And mm. again, it's, we're like, we're talking split seconds, right? Like oh, 100%. hundreds of seconds in terms of where you're putting that car. But he, it, it almost looked like Lewis's strategy was I'm going to put George into max on the inside. And if I do that, not only do I have the better corner angle here, but both of them have to back out. The problem for yeah. him was George didn't have anywhere to go. So either no. George literally just takes max out, which would have like, George can't make that decision in that moment. You know what I mean? His instincts are fighting against doing all of that. And so he just, he just puts his, he just keeps his car on the line he's on and Lewis turned into him. And that's yeah. all on Lewis at the end of the day, you know, and George, I like, I, I have no, I, I no fault of that is, is, is George. He's in literally between a rock and a hard place. A hundred percent agree with you. Um, it did suck. Cause it, it would have been nice to see them racing the McLarens up at the top and they would have been right, right there with them. Like Russell came back yep. after that first pit and put it up in fourth. Well, let's talk about um, that. Cause Russell ends like, like the first, the next lap after Russell's irate, he's fuming. Obviously he's into the pits. They get him changed. Which actually, ironically, is not the worst thing in the world because now you're on the offset pit strategy to everybody else on yeah. in, like the fourth fastest car out there, but not where you want to be. You don't want to be having to come back from behind. And yet, you know, like you hear Toto Wolf come on the radio and be like, okay, George, stop. Like you got to move over. You got to get over this. And that is certainly something we have seen George Russell struggle with is he is a very emotional driver, not unlike some of these other guys, but he has often struggled to like get out of his own way here yeah. though. It seemed like he found a way to compartmentalize that. And then he just picked his way through the, the grid. And actually I would argue had one of like one of the, the most sort of George Russell esque drives we've seen all year in the sense that he, once the, the adversity of that first lap was behind him, he just he just flat out went and he had to overtake some good team, like some good drivers. He had some big overtakes on the Ferraris that were not like 
they they were skilled overtakes. And yes, he had the faster car, but he still had to go and make those moves. Uh, and he gets, as you say, all the way back up to fourth. And like, what could have been had he been able to stay up there the whole time? It would have been really funny. Probably had a he probably would have had a podium spot if he hadn't been out of that race. Maybe he both did it quick. Them. He did it quickly. Like he did. Like he was out, and then all of a sudden it was the whole radio. Okay, now we're we're racing for fourth. Now we're racing for fourth. Um, and like, he just needed one other thing, like one more safety car, one more yeah, something, or one mistake by somebody ahead. Yeah, exactly. And he would have been, he probably could have been in the podium and you'd like to think that both of them would have been fighting for the podium if, if this didn't happen. But I think, yeah, I think Hamilton just softer tires. He didn't want to be on the soft tires. He knew that the advantage of being on softer tires is that they're going to warm up quicker. So your first two laps are going to be faster than anybody else's Critical. on mediums. Um, but do you, do you yeah, think that, that at the end of the day, Lewis really wasn't the luckiest guy out there considering what everyone else seemed to, to go through for the next like two hours of what just apparently was hell. Like so, Lewis Hamilton was in like the nice cold shower before most of these guys even got going. And then we're hearing stories of like guys throwing up in their helmets. Well, let's talk, let's talk about the one thing that they talked about during the race. And that sure. was, um, Lawson, I believe. No, yep. Sergeant. Sergeant. Sergeant had to, uh, yeah. Sergeant. So Sergeant was talking the whole, like he was on the radio saying, I, I'm, I'm very not well. Um, I don't, I don't know what to do. And his team said, okay, well come in. Like, just don't finish the race. We're more concerned about you, which is how it should be. And they said, just come in. If you can't do the race, just come in and we'll, we'll, it doesn't matter. We'll just call it a day. He said, no, I can do this. I can do this. And good for him for wanting to get around the track and finish because everyone's going through the same thing. He was having a little bit of flu-like symptoms earlier in the year, so that didn't help him out. But I, that's all that was – everyone was talking about how it was hot, and you saw them during the race. Everybody was lifting their Cracking visors visor. on the straight, um, and you could see Russell trying to change the wind and the, um, the aerodynamics of in his cockpit to get more air into his face. Yeah. Wow. Um, and I was like, wow, it must be really hot in there. But I did not know the extent of it until I read articles after the race, and Alex Albon had to get rushed to the um, the the doctor's office, whatever it's called. Um, and Esteban Ocon threw up in his helmet. Yeah, and finished the race, face Lin- covered in vomit. Lance Stroll like struggled to get out of the car because he's he like, every time I try to stand up, I'm gonna faint. Yeah, he was taken like, in an ambulance to to medical post race. So like, that's insane. What happens now? Because they just signed ten years in Qatar. Well, you got to do this race at a different time of year and you got to do it at night. Agreed. That's the first thing. Yeah. So it's got to be a December or a early year race. Yeah. Just like they did with the world cup, right? They are in terms of the equator. Well, they moved the world cup. They moved the world cup from July to December for a cooler weather. So you've got to need to do it later. Yeah. But it's insane. Like it, it, that is not, I mean, not to say it's not healthy, but like that, like, it's just not, that's it's not functional. Like these guys can't compete like that. Like you're not going to get quality racing. If you've got a guy who's literally like face full of vomit, I cannot yeah. imagine how uncomfortable that must've been for Ocon. Like, like, have you, if, have you ever thrown up on yourself? Like it, like just on yourself? Yeah, sure. Throughout yeah, my yeah. life. Yeah. And it's not pleasant, right? No. Now I want you to put like a fishbowl on your head, throw yeah. up and then continue to drive at the highest level you possibly can in blistering heat for another like hour with that vomit all over that fishbowl, like absolutely horrific. And I wonder if he opened credit. his visor, like if he opened his visor and it all just kind of like the blew wind, his blew eyes. It, like blew it to the back of his what, head, to his ears. Know? Like, yeah. Oh my like, God. You got to think horrific. that that's what would have happened. But I mean, this is, 
again, they talked about the the Indianapolis 500 where the tires were an issue. Um, there was a heat-related illness in the Indy 500, and the, the driver, Carl Scarborough, withdrew for that reason. And then he died in the infield in the medical center because of a heat exhaustion. Jesus. Like These guys have to – and it's been talked about after, like, Norris is it's too dangerous. This is this was not okay. So they're going to have to figure something out, and it, it, it yeah. will be a December race um, at night. But even then, the, it was hot at the World Cup still in December when they were doing the when they specifically moved it to there to to battle the heat. Well, they estimated that like the ambient temperature. So this is not like on track. Was like upwards of thirty five degrees Celsius, but it was seventy five percent humidity. Yeah, so it felt like fifty degrees Celsius. Like that's yeah. that's like being in an oven. Literally, that's already that's already what their pits like the little cockpit. Yeah. Is it's around fifty degrees. That's where it hovers at a regular track. Ugh. So now it's got to be like it's got to feel like sixty five. Horrific, absolutely horrific. Um, let's talk about some of the other performances or the other sort of things here. As we mentioned, Max Verstappen obviously becomes world champion this weekend. He obviously also wins the race. Did you see not just not just, not to go back on what we just talked about, but with the heat thing? Did you see how pathetic the uh, podium ceremony was? These guys were so exhausted. They didn't even like spray the champagne. I personally would have thought the champagne would be nice and cold, but they yeah. were they were too tired to like lift it and 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 sort of spray it on each other. They just lay they lay down when they when they got into that cool down room. Literally just like hit the floor. Yeah. But let's talk about some of these performances because we talked already about George Russell. Definitely had a good race after the incident in terms of like you know making something out of nothing. Um, Max did Max again, as always. And then we, we need to talk about these McLarens because talk about yeah. like tale of two, two halves. The first half of the season, very disappointing, like pathetic start to the year. And it was like, how did McLaren get this so wrong after sort of starting to look like they were improving at the end of last year? They come into this year and it was just like a disaster. They've got mm-hmm. this highly touted young driver there. They couldn't give them, he or Norris, a good car. And then since the summer break, McLaren has come on and become the second best team on the grid, consistent wise, performance wise. And like I talked a lot last race about how I would buying stock in Carlos signs, but like, I got to, I got to hedge and, and, and buy some Oscar Piastri stock here too, because no this guy is fucking amazing. It's a rookie driver and he, People should be looking at him being like, shit, that is the future of the sport. Like this is he looks like he's going to be a world championship driver, which is what everybody thought he was going to be when they wanted yeah. to get him and why it was exactly. such a and we knew like there a was huge such a fight deal. to get him. Exactly. Because yeah. exactly. they knew that this is what he's capable of. And and to to do it like that, like Lance, uh, sorry, not Lance. Lando Norris is a great driver himself. He's a very good driver, uh, yeah. Yeah. Like very much wanted by every team. Fantastic yeah. driver. But I mean, for Oscar Piastri to compete with him so early on is awesome. Awesome. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing with with Piastri is that, like, he, as you say, he's a rookie. He's just figuring it out. But there, but like, the way that he is pushing his own teammate is making his team better. It's making his teammate better. It's making the whole thing at McLaren tick. And if they yeah. can carry this kind of um, development gains that they've achieved this year into next year and not regress as they did at the beginning of the year. If they can come in next year as one of the top two, three teams, they have the talent there to be competing. And if they can close the gap to Red Bull, you know, they are the next, they they have taken over what Ferrari was trying to be. 
as far as the the next best guys. Mercedes, I think, is just at the cusp of getting back there too, but their consistency from like track to track isn't as as strong as McLaren. And obviously, you know, they're they're, they're making dumb driver decisions. That's not the case at McLaren right now. Like both drivers, top of their craft like even when we saw aston martin start the year really really successful it was one guy it wasn't both yeah lance Stroll was never near fernando alonso but these guys are literally step one and step two of that podium behind max verstappen week after week now they so we talk a lot about ferrari having like maybe two years in last year ferrari having the best two drivers overall it's not them anymore piastri and norris they're the best driver duo on the grid right now it's exciting. And it'll be interesting to see if they can keep them both. Obviously, you know, we've heard the rumors about Lando. We've heard these things, but they're, you know, the contracts are signed. So not that yeah. contracts have meant a lot of things in past years. We've seen that change and move around, but you know, very positive things for a very iconic team. Um, I only wish Braden were still on this podcast to be able Us. to like revel in the final, finally his team is, is has found a little bit of success. I was going to say that too. It was like Braden forever just wanted McLaren to be good. <laughs> and then, yeah. he, then he left. And we the always podcast. just gave him such a hard time about it. And now he can, now he can talk about them all day if he wanted to. And people would want to listen because they're that relevant now. Um, I don't know where you want to go next with this. I, I, I let's I, go with I, the team I, we never talk about. Okay. Alfa Romeo. Okay. Great weekend for them. Double points. Both of them yep. are in the points. Now you could say that if it wasn't for a mistake by Pierre Gasly, they wouldn't be double points, but um, I don't want to shit all over Pierre Gasly today. So uh, Alfa Romeo operated like they were, they were great. They were great to see yesterday um, or Sunday. Uh, it's I, I, we never talk about them. We never yeah, that's true. Them. Well, they haven't had a lot for us to talk about to be fair. That's what um, I mean. But yeah, Valtteri Bottas definitely, um, you know, a better weekend than we've seen from him in a long time gets into Q3. Um, but that's one of those things too, where like, this is a team that has on occasion overachieved and then kind of fallen on their own face. Oh, they, yeah. I mean, they don't have the car to do it, but the car looked fast. It looked good. I mean, there was three penalties that got, I think it was Zhao that got into the the points because of the penalties with Gasly present stroll, but um, still like, the fact that they were in the race at all, like they're getting past, but they're fighting back. Then they would, he dropped off for a, um, like um, a pit stop at the end there. And then came back, fought back, got it, just kept it on the track, which was the most important thing in this race when the other guys couldn't do it and got themselves into points. Like it was, it was nice to see. And they got a slick looking car too. So. Yeah. And I mean, they are fighting down at the bottom of the table for the scraps, but there's still money on the table for positions. And, you know, Haas is kind of another team we never talk about because they've done absolutely nothing of substance all year. You know, we talk a little bit more about Williams just because of the fact that we've had some interesting races from Albon and whatnot, but like Alfa Romeo really does have an opportunity to sort of be the best of the last sort of teams, you know, and, and get themselves into a slightly better financial position as a result of it. We know that they're going to be shifting and changing into Audi soon as the next couple seasons, they'll be Sauber again. And then, but, you know, for this last sort of hurrah of the Alfa Romeo brand on there, uh, nice to at least see they're finishing the season with a little bit of uh, excitement. And even like Bottas got into Q3 on Friday. That's what I mean. So I like, said that. Yeah, no, totally. It's exciting. And Bottas is one of those drivers who's like kind of riding it out now because he's 
previously have been at the top of this sport, he's capable of so much more if they could just give him the car. 100%. And you want to see him do well. Botas is a guy you want to see do well. Absolutely. So we had to um, talk about them a little bit there. Absolutely. Uh, spot on and good for you for giving them that little bit of love. Uh, any final thoughts before we leave Qatar? If Gasly had just like in those laps, laps when he passed Stroll out like uh, off the track, if he had just given it back right away, right away, yeah. he'd be in the points. He'd be probably nine or eight or nine. So because you know, he waited so long, he got passed by two guys, and then and then he tried to pass Perez again. He didn't stay within the line. Like so, I did just give it back right away though, because he was pushed off. Like I get mm. he gained the position, but like he didn't just cut a corner. I I think he I think he had a car length to keep it on the track. All right. I mean, he was going against Stroll, so you never know. He was probably <laughs> terrified, but he did have a car length to get it off. But all he had to do was give it back on the next corner and then take yeah, it from him two I'm corners so. later. Yeah. His team, I think, I don't know if that's him. Like, as a, a veteran would have done it right away. Like, Alonzo would have noticed that right away and gave it back to him and then just take, taken it again. Or his spotter, whoever's on the headset, being like, give that back and take it again. Give that back and take it again. Because he gave it up and then he gave up another spot right away. Yeah. All right, let's hand out some hardware uh, before we take a break. So uh, let's start with our driver of the day. What do you have? Uh, Piastri. You can give it to Piastri. You can give it to Russell. You can give it to the Alfa Romeo team together. But, I mean, this was Piastri's weekend, really. Yeah, I mean, he wins the sprint, finishes second. Fantastic race. Both both days, fantastic racing. I agree with you. I think it has to be Oscar Piastri. Our not-so-driver of the day. Uh, now Perez. the question is do you want to take the whole weekend into consideration or is this the grand prix because lewis qualifies for this too sure yeah but i mean yeah he does i mean that is that this. is not a great that is not a great result and that is a hundred percent his own doing you hate i know you hate to do but it for like a crash you could like also that. take the whole weekend into consideration you could also say like lance stroll is definitely not driver of the weekend Worst literally assaulted a teammate yeah Worst, worst driver on the grid. Um, I, I mean, I hate giving it to a guy who made a mistake, like a racing mistake that cost him the entire race. But Perez had 15 seconds of penalties in like the last five laps. He's he's supposed to be on, top, on the podium every weekend. Yeah. Uh, when was the last time he was on a podium? Do I remember? don't even remember. Brutal. Yeah. All right. Let's give it to uh, let's give it to Checo. Okay. Um. That leads to overtake of uh, the race. So who do you have on this one? I I mean, I, just because I'm partial, I have Russell, but I didn't pick a single one. I, I It was the fact that he literally picked his way back through the whole grid. But I would say his, I, I'm going to take it a step further and say George Russell, but I'm going with the pass on lap three of Pi- Piastri from the sprint race. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was beautiful. Okay. I like he even it. went on the he even went on the radio after and said that's oh, right. That was a good pass. That was, that was a good pass. I was gonna save that for radio yeah. call, but that's a pretty good one too. It's like when you call your own shot. And it's yeah. like, no, 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 no. You don't, George. We all saw it, but you don't get to tell us it was good. <laughs> uh let's go then to that. Radio call of the race. I got um Alonzo. The seat is hot. Is there anything we can do with the pit stop? Can you pour some water on me or something? That is that's, the one. That's the one, yeah. That's fantastic. <laughs> and then All I like right. the guys jumping on and being like, they used to pour buckets of water on the drivers to, to yeah. cool them down. I thought it was cool. I didn't know that. They didn't even Great. squirt them down with a water bottle. They did nothing to help them out. 
Stop them for 2.1 seconds and turn the fuck off. I don't go, understand. Like, go. why can't those helmets have like fans in them or something? Like, like at least to cool their heads. Like, did, didn't didn't we, didn't we all see viral videos this this off season of like LSU's football team with air conditioned helmets? Like, you telling me these guys can't get some kind of cooling in the helmet even? Uh, you'd think there'd be a better way by now. Ridiculous! Just cracking the visor, blowing chunks in your ear. The technicians, the engineers, need to cool stuff. That's that's the worst not driver of the weekend but like worst weekend for for anybody is Ocon. like that is just horrific no oh, that, that that sucks me him did well too got points yeah maybe he just needs to throw open his helmet every week Ugh. Ugh. all right let's take a break hey football fans the ordinary podcasting network is very excited to welcome back for its second season running down the clock presented by puya ricey and tyler walzak these two football fans will sit down with you every Thursday of the NFL schedule to talk football. You can subscribe to Running Down the Clock anywhere you get your podcast. <laughs> yeah, this episode is brought to you by Pepto Bismol. Um, all right, Tyler, take us, uh, take us to what, where where are we going next? I know we are going, going to Austin, tell everybody else. We are going to Austin, Texas. U.S. Yeehaw. Grand Prix, back to the Circuit of the Americas. This is another sprint weekend. It is not this upcoming weekend. Weekend after. The 20th, I believe. 21st, something like that. Um, the something first Grand Prix in the like Circuit of Americas uh, was 2012. 56 laps, 20 turns, two DRS zones. First DRS zone is on the straight between turns 11 and 12. The second is on the uh, straight, the start-finish straight. Um, the detection zone, however, for that one is two turns before the straight. So you gotta, you gotta keep it through those turns. Um, actually you don't, you can, you can get the DRS and then you can do whatever you want with those turns. Um, this track is kind of like an amalgamation of the best corners, uh, from around the season. They all kind of wanted to exist here in Austin, a lot of over overtaking opportunities, especially on a very wide turn one, the 2022 race. Uh, Sainz was on pole, Verstappen was beside him. Sainz got spun on the very first lap by George Russell, um, who did take him out. He got a five-second penalty. Unfortunately, Sainz's race was over because of that. Um, also a big uh, stunt here with Alonso and Stroll, where Stroll moved left a little bit too late, and Alonso went right over the top of his back left wheel. Um, Stroll's day's end, day ended, but Alonso uh, carried on, was able to finish the race. Verstappen passed Hamilton on lap 50 of 56 to win this race. The podium was Verstappen, Hamilton, Leclerc, DNF, Signs, Botas, Stroll. Two weeks times, U.S. Grand Prix. Yeah, weekend of the 20th to the 22nd, as you say, the uh, sprint qualifying. Well, not qualifying anymore, no, the sprint, just the sprint. Qualifying on the Friday. Uh, all of this in, like, primetime North America. The race is at yeah. noon, our time uh five or a three three o'clock uh start to the sprint on uh the 21st and lots lots of excitement there and then yeah we're we got a lot of racing now in like nice broadcast window for north america here because we go yeah. austin we go mexico we go brazil we go vegas and then we finish the season out so we've only got five races left can you believe that tyler five races left it went by it went by pretty quickly actually now that i'm thinking about it oh also this race in the u.s uh the u.s grand prix was a two-stopper last year Exactly. There you go. So, Two stopper. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that is that for that. And uh, we'll leave it at that for now. Uh, we will see you in two weeks time following the United States Grand Prix and uh, have a great rest of uh, your week.
Pit Stop Podcast is a presentation of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. Thanks for listening. The Ordinary Podcasting Network wishes to acknowledge that the lands on which our conversations take place include Treaty 6 territory, the traditional meeting ground and home for many indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Dene, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, and the Nakota Sioux peoples, as well as the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. We acknowledge the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit whose footsteps have marked these lands for generations. And we extend our appreciation for the opportunity to live, create, and share stories on these territories. The Ordinary Podcasting Network intends to engage in conversations and dialogue, which acknowledge that reconciliation is not a destination, but a journey, and that we remain committed to practicing our craft in a decolonized space.